This is the Home Health Revealed podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing industries of home health, hospice, and palliative care. Welcome to Home Health Revealed podcast. I'm your host, Mike Greenley, and like always, I have Hannah Vale. What's up, Hannah? Hey, how are you, Mike? I'm good. Here we are, Home Health Revealed. We have an awesome guest and topic today that is both fascinating and essential on how to control per patient costs in hospice while delivering top-notch care. And so Jared Strong, PharmMD, is with us. He is the founder and chairman at BetterRx. He graduated from the University of New Mexico as a doctor of pharmacy in 2006. After obtaining his PharmD, Jared founded a multi-state chain of closed-door pharmacies focused on servicing hospice agencies. Jared invested heavily in developing technology designed to enhance the medication ordering process for hospices and their pharmacies. In 2015, Jared launched a new technology-driven hospice medication ordering and management solution, Better Rx. Jared's proven knowledge of the pharmacy industry, aptitude for technology and innovation, and problem-solving capabilities have uniquely positioned him as an expert and pioneer in shaping the future of pharmacy practices in the hospice industry. Welcome, Jared. Well, thank you for having me. And I got to say, wow, that makes me sound amazing. And I did not write that. <laughs> you did, well, good. You do sound amazing. And yeah. we're glad you're here. You got people for that. Yeah, they're amazing. You know, I like to have like a, a small can of Coke. You know what I'm talking about? Coca-Cola? Yeah, so... Over Pepsi? Yeah, for All sure. Right. But I have like, uh, I have one can a day. That's it? Maybe You're a one two. It's a smaller one. It's only got... Uh, oh, yeah, that's so tiny. What a seven, cute little baby can. Se- seven and a half ounces. So I, I've been drinking this, and I, I quite I think it's quite tasty. What do you call it? Coke. Everything's Coke. Even Everything's if it's Pepsi, Coke. it's Dr. Pepper, it's all Coke. You know it's pop, right? No. But... You know, where I grew up, everything was Coke, too. Yeah, it's you just know, Coke. Right? right? Pepsi, whatever, root beer. Everything's you want pop. A Coke? What so, kind of pop do you want? So you know how the good Lord, he works in mysterious ways. Yes, he does. So I was, uh, I was, I woke up the other morning and I was scrolling through Instagram cause I'm kind of a popular guy, you know, no, I'm just kidding. But I was scrolling through the Instagram and what they started showing me is all these videos of what Coke can clean, like off rust, off of pennies and stuff. You never did that in school. Yeah. Well, but no, but now I'm, I'm rethinking my choice here because if this is used for cleaning stuff, but yet I'm throwing it down my esophagus. Cleans out your insides. I don't think it does that. <laughs> There's not a video that shows that. It's just showing cleaning pan and rust and stuff like that. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm in trouble because I really like this. But if people are going to use this, that and baking soda to basically clean off rust and all the stuff that you can't get off with anything else. Car batteries. Yeah, right? So it's like, maybe I should not be drinking this. Anyhow, that it was upsetting to me. I, I, haven't, I, haven't, proce- I haven't processed the whole situation. So that's, that's where I'm well, at. Well, you know, uh, kind of another bright side is if you ever suspect food poisoning, drink a Coke. That's right. I, I agree <laughs> with that. Does that work? Kill everything that can, that's in there. Well, I mean, if it takes off rust, it's got to clean up, you know, clean some stuff off. You yeah. Know what I mean? Well, what I wanted to talk about besides your Coke, which is great, yep. is Thank Christmas you. shopping. Are you in the middle of it? And I need to know, are you more of a number of presents kind of person or dollar amount kind of person when it comes to separating what you get per kid? Well, first of all, it always starts with the number. Okay. And based off the number, then it goes to price. So we, we have X amount of dollars, but we also have to get them the same amount of presents. So even if we have to buy a present that is... El cheapo? Well, just, you know, maybe... Down to the cent, down yeah, to the dollar, down yeah, to the $10. I mean, How we, close are we? we? Yeah, we try to stay in a $50 plus or minus. So if one gets a little bit less, 
and one gets a little bit more as long as they got the four or five or whatever n- number is that we're fine with that because they all open them you know we go youngest to oldest right so if you can't have one person done after two unless that one person wants some massive present that that's what it's going to be then that's what it's going to be I feel like as my kids have gotten older, we used to do the four things when they were little, something you want, something you need, something to wear, something to read. But then as I've gotten older, that hasn't really worked and whatever. But as they get older, their presents become more expensive. They're not as like fun and exciting and flashy. No, but they're good for the dad or mom that don't have to put all that stuff together and spend half the morning putting a house together or a bike or all that jazz. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, That's that's how drinking got started. On Christmas, that's where Christmas ale came from. That's absolutely correct. That's how alcohol got introduced to the world. Oh, Lordy. Okay, well. So, Jared, before we dive in, I got a couple questions. So, when you were going to school, did you ever think you would own your own company? Uh, No, not. It never even crossed my mind. Yeah. What, What do you think the hardest thing is about owning a company as an owner? It's kind of tough to kind of put it into to one thing, but I think the, the thing that really surprised me was uh, how you can never leave it. Um, you're always, think, I'm always thinking about it, thinking about ways of, of improving, thinking of, you know, how I can, you know, make, make patients' lives better, make, uh, I guess, things easier for, for nurses to, to get the medications to the patients. And, you know, just just trying to streamline. And, and the, the thing that I guess surprises me is that, you know, I, I, ideas come to me while I'm riding my bike, while I'm getting ready in the morning, while I'm driving. It's just, you know, it, it's just it's it's one of the things that's just it's hard to put down. Yeah. What, what, what's your off. number one core value? I think it's 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 trust um, and transparency. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I, I think the hardest thing when we opened health rev about four years ago uh, i always wanted to own my own company I, i've been fired five times if you listen to the other podcast you know i've been fired five times so i figured i'm pretty much unemployable so i need to i need to probably start my own company but the thing i never had a great appreciation appreciation for for all the companies i have worked for is how hard it is to start up a company mm-hmm. you know yeah. what i mean because you got to get employees but then you know you got to think about benefits and if you don't have benefits and you got to think about pay uh, it's, it's extremely challenging uh, I think it'll always be challenging. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It's just challenging to start a company. So I think I commend you, man, going out there. You got a great idea. You can change the market. You followed your vision. You got other people to follow your vision. So uh, just just kudos to you on that. I know there's a little sidebar, but I always love to hear how people started it, what the vision was behind it. And it's always nice to share challenges because, boy, I tell you, the, the list can be long and, and challenging for sure. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's rewarding, but it can be really, really tough. Yeah, it can. So let, let's jump in. You ready for this? I'm excited. Yeah, this is a great topic. So tell us about the challenges in medication management in hospice care. In hospice care, there's always um, a challenge to know which medications uh, you should use and and how many medications you should use for the patients. So a lot of patients when they're on hospice they come to to you on hospice with with just uh generally with a lot of medications they're they're treating a lot of different things and it's it's really it can be really daunting to try and pare those things down to find out exactly what those things are being what they're treating those things with and and seeing if you can you know narrow those things down and then also identifying therapies that have really ran its course that that really don't have any usefulness at this point. So it's really all about finding that sweet spot. And mm-hmm. how do you 
optimize those drug regimens so that you can control cost? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very good question. So great patient uh, care and, and patient management generally translates in, in hospice into lower costs. Um, and so uh, obviously we're not just just trying to go for 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 lowest cost and we're just trying to strip back medications. No, we're we're actually trying to treat the things that is essential to the patient for their end of life comfort. And that that generally translates into lower costs. That's that's sort of that that byproduct of making the patient comfortable. You get, you know, it, it you know, because those those types of medications that are used at you know, end stage is are really cheap. They're, you know, most the vast, vast majority of them are generic. And then and then also making sure that, you know, we're not, you know, inappropriately treating something that that was appropriate at one point in their life. Um, so one of the things that we see, uh, for example, is, you know, patients will come to like an end stage, end stage Parkinson uh, patient. You know, a lot of those medications, you know, are are used to help control movement disorders and and some of the, mm-hmm. you know, the dyskinesia, akathisia, things like that. Uh, but they have a lot of side effects, and it's it's recognizing that those medications just slow the disease state down. Um, but once they have arrived at the end stage of that disease, then then we need to get them off those medic- medications because it can cause you know more than just nausea vomiting. It can cause um, you know severe agitation. And so by by getting them off those medications, we can actually have a better outcome for the patient as they as they transition. Are there any specific strategies you use when deprescribing? And I want to I want to interrupt here, Jared, because when you and I yeah. were talking, you gave an analogy about driving a car. Will you share oh, that yeah. with our audience? Oh, for sure, for sure. So, um, so the 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 process of deprescribing medications and to manage everything, you know, it's it's really the the internal process that the hospice has developed and the and sort of the the nurse manage nurse case manager develops uh, as well, but then. Those processes need to be supplemented with with technology to help sort of take their mind and and reduce decision fatigue so that they can so follow that process every single time and not necessarily have to put as much um, a, a thought work into that. And so the analogy that I, I think of is you know when we're when we're driving cross country and you know we're trying to trying to obey the speed limit or somewhat <laughs> and or, or or certainly certainly like you know in, in critical times like construction areas you know we're we're trying to be right on the speed limit and certainly you know we can you know just do it ourselves you know we try and get a feel for how how hard we need to you know press the the, the accelerator but then we're constantly looking at our at the a speedometer to make sure that we're not going over or, or, or under. And so, you know, one of the great tools in technology with, with that, you know, a good example is, you know, setting cruise control. Once we set c- cruise control, then, then it's like our mind can sort of release itself from that. And then we can focus on other things. We can focus on what's happening outside the car versus what's happening inside the car. And then it makes us a safer driver, um, you know, gives you know, there, there's all sorts of benefits like that. And that, you know, that's just a, a simple example of, of what technology can do to aid 
executing the processes. Yeah, my truck has uh, cruise control on it, but it has the cruise control where like, um, I know this is not what you're talking about, Jared, at all, but it brings it up because then I'll find myself cruising on the street and I'll be behind someone slow and I forget. And so I've been driving, you know, 55 miles per hour for the past hour because I had it yeah. set and it's got one of those sensors things, you know Oh, what I mean? yeah. So I wish I could Automatic deactivate that thing. Yeah, I just I you, down. you can deactivate that. You can? Yeah. Oh, we'll yeah. talk about technology here. We'll have to go out there and truck later. <laughs> Speaking of technologies, Jared, what technologies can hospice providers use to improve their medication management? Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of um, really good technology out there to to really uh, assist people to to really you know making sure that patients are getting the right medications and and while doing that is you know streamlining the costs as well and so. Some of those things are, you know, formulary control. And so as uh, you know, it, it's it's imperative that every agency, I think, has a uh, an electronic prescribing process in place. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, the old the old school way of doing things is, you know, nurse would, you know, get an order, call the pharmacy and then call call the PBM or, you know, to clear the billing. Uh, and so that when the pharmacy bills it, it'll it'll go through and won't get a rejection. And, you know, it may be on the formulary, it may not be on the formulary. And then they have to make many phone calls to to do this. And so it's it's, uh, you know, and so using one of those electronic prescribing platforms that pop up these recommendations in real time. So as soon as they put the drug in, you know, they get evaluation uh, or, or some type of thing saying, hey, this is on the formulary, this is not on the formulary. Or you can do this drug, but here's a recommended drug that you can do that is probably better for the patient, and here's why. And then, and then certainly, you know, just a, a platform that streamlines the communication to all the interested parties. So if it's a non-formulary, you know, something that automatically sends a notifi- notification out so that the person, the, the, the manager can, can approve that non-formulary. Or, or as, as the order is being sent to the pharmacy, it's the, the billing is already cleared so that when the pharmacy gets it, they know they can just fill it and get it out to the patient. It's really about, you know, saving, saving nurses time. And that's a significant hidden sort of cost center that pharmacies really are bearing because nurses are overloaded. And so certainly, you know, there's the, the, the cost savings for medications, but then there's also the time savings for nurses that they can, you know, have a, achieve a better work-life balance. They can, you know, they're more likely to stay with the, the agency uh, and, instead of going to a, another one that has these, these technologies in place. And, and certainly that they, you know, when they get home from work, they have it, you know, they can, they can be home from work. Right. Yeah. So these processes coming together, this formulary communication, cost approval, all of these pieces coming together. I know you're really passionate about this. How do those affect in a bigger picture, both the quality and the cost of hospice care as a whole? You know that, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you asked that. As you know, ultimately, if we can sort of hurry and get out of the way of nurses and just mm-hmm. speed them up, then we can get those medications to those patients faster. And really the, the number one complaint that hospices receive from patients and caregivers is a delayed medication um, getting to the patient. So, you know, if the patient is in is in in pain, they can't wait three hours to get the medication. They need it now. Yeah. 
Um, and, I mean, that's and, what and, I would want if I were a patient. Yeah, absolutely. Or, 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 you know, the, the thing that, you know, to not to make this super personal, but, you know, if you think about the one person that you, you love and you care about more than anything in the world, and if they are in severe pain and you can't do anything about that, how would you feel? Mm-hmm. That would be pretty hard, I would think. That would be really hard. And you would want, you would do anything. You would drive to the pharmacy to get that medication. Yep. And so really it's, it's about speed. Can, can you share an example of successful collaboration that improved patient outcomes while at the same time managing costs effectively? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, we, we had, um, you know, and, and this is, this is actually quite common. We'll, we'll have patients that come to us, um, on their like in stage Alzheimer's, for example, you know, they're taking Aricet and Aminda and, and really those, those medications should be, you know, as soon as they come on to, to service that they should be, you know, taken off those medications because those, those can cause those, those really increase the likelihood of, of terminal restlessness and can really make it really hard for, uh, the caregivers because the behavioral problems that those medications can then cause. In fact, that's, that's one of the, um, uh, that's a, that is a, a, a significant cause why patients, why, why they can't stay in their home, that they're transferred to facilities. And so getting off those medications, using that technology to identify those, those medications, and then, and then following those recommendations as, as it comes up in the, in the software that, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and those, those medications are, are expensive. You're, you're getting the best, you know, treatment outcome for the lowest price because you're, you're not, you're not paying for those. You know, what, one of the things that we, again, we see with that is, you know, the, that, uh, the, the, the children's book of the, the old lady who swallowed the cat to get the fly and the, the, mm-hmm. the dog to get the cat and, and so forth. And so, and and what we call those are are medication uh, symptom cascades, and so it's it's identifying those cascades, leading them back to the root cause of the, you know, of of that symptom that we're trying to treat, in the first place. That then uh, we can just re- eliminate typically, you know, that entire cascade, which is typically about five medications, uh, you know, uh, you know. So for example, you know, we can those types of medications can, can lead to incontinence, which then people give them oxybutynin, and then that can lead to, you know, increased heart and you know, heart rate. And then, uh, and then we start, we start to give them other medications to, to lower that heart rate. And then they feel fatigue and the orthostatic hypotension. And, and then we have all of these, these whole things, but it all leads back to those two medications. So if we eliminate those, those two medications, we collapse that whole overprescribing cascade leading to significant better outcomes as well as, you know, significant cost savings for the, for the agency. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fantastic result all around. What challenges do providers face when they're trying to co- coordinate care with other organizations? There's a couple of, couple of avenues for that. So um, to, to talk about, you know, the technologies and, you know, a lot of the, the EMRs uh, don't, you know, um, aren't integrated with the e-prescribing platform, and you really need that integration. You need a solid integration that 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 data can be transferred back and forth. It's identifying those 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 medication cascades, working you know methodically to to eliminate those things. A lot of those things you can't just take off all altogether really fast, um, and you have to 
you have to be very prescriptive about about that. And so it's it's really it comes down to communication, mm-hmm. you know, communication between the the two platforms, and then communication with the individuals inside the organization, and then leading back to if there's an outside primary care physician that's still involved, leading including them in that that communication loop as well. You know, I think any business owner or leader would tell you that quality is their number one concern of any business that they're they're running. Uh, while at the same time they've got to control costs specifically to hospice providers. What, what can they implement or what strategies can they implement to really achieve the balance of cost control, but yet quality? You know, I think that um, really uh, having really sound processes in place to evaluate those medications as, as patients come on board, and then also having a, a, a formulary in place that you can follow. Um, what we, what we, what we've seen also is that you know, a lot of a lot of organizations will have a formulary in place, but then they don't ever follow it, so they don't really have a formulary in place at that point. But then also, it's it's relying on on their partners, you know, their sort of their medication experts that can help them, or you know, offer as a, offer be be a guide for them to to deprescribe those medications, to recognize those medication cascades. And, and certainly all of that translates into to cost savings, which then also translates into, you know, being able to grow and to be able to market better and to 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 see more patients. And and then also making sure and this goes an extra step, but making sure that your your staff's time is streamlined and not filled up with a bunch of needless tasks because you're not using technology. They have to do those things. They have to. They still have to get done. But making sure, but but leveraging technology so that they don't have to do all those things and that it's fast for them. That way, they can again, they can see more patients. They can, you know, have you know, they don't have, they have a lower staff turnover. Um, and so it, it's really really implementing those those processes and having those in place for those agencies so that they. They don't have to spend so much time on medication reconciliation and, you know, the the tasks of just, just ordering and getting medications to the patient. Yeah, I think it's really about creating that culture. And I know when talking to BetterRx, you guys have such an incredible culture. And I know it focuses on thoughtful care. And I feel like if I can just put words to what you do, they take away the task portion with technology so that the agencies can focus on the thoughtful care parts. Yeah, that that is what we do. And that's that's so rewarding. You know, one of the things that we do survey nurses and and, and the agency before we roll them out um, and just asking, okay, so walk me through how do you order your medications about how much time do you spend, you know, chasing down signatures and, mm-hmm. you know, getting everything over to the patient or the physician and uh, to sign those orders and so forth. And, and about how many hours a week? And the typical answer is, is about 15 hours a week. So about, about three hours a day. That's a lot. Yeah. That adds and up. It, it really adds up. And then, and then when we, then when we get it all rolled out and get them on the platform, and then we, we ask that same question, it's universally, it seems like the answer is instead of 15 hours a week, about, you know, an hour and a half to, to two and a half hours a week. Wow, that's incredible. That's a massive amount of time. 
giving back to those nurses so that they can, you know, complete the other things that they need to do. Are there any, just to switch gears a little bit on you here, I want to think about, are there any ethical considerations or pitfalls that you see when working with agencies in cost saving, in cost saving measures that caregivers should be aware of? Oh, for sure. For sure. It, and and I think um, that really comes to play when uh, patients uh, first come on to, on onto service. You know, the, the key is to provide education to the family members and, and to the patient. And so, um, you know, what, what we don't want to have happen is the patient comes on to service and then the hospice, you know, talks about, oh, you know, these don't, don't work and don't really give them background. And then they just eliminate all these medications. And then, then, the, then it's it's easy for the family and the, and the, the patient to feel like, well, I come on a service and they're supposed to be paying for all this stuff, but they're just taking me off of it. That's something that we definitely want to avoid. We, we don't want them to feel that way. And the best way is to really provide education. You know, sometimes we have to sort of read the room and, and maybe not go quite as fast. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of patients will see, like in that example of Aricep Naminda, you know, the, the family members like, well, you know, they kind of see that as a warm security blanket. And, mm-hmm. and if you if you pull that off, you know, they're like, hey, look, if you take these medications off, you know, uh, away from my mom, mom is going to, you know, forget even more and, and it's just going to accelerate things. And it's like, well, it, it's it's not. And, and And kind of explaining the background of what those medications were in the first place. And so... So that's that's where you know we need to you know make sure that we're educating and 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 being I guess re- receptive of of those the individual the the key players involved and, and their feelings about this. So Jared, if I'm a hospice agent, how mm-hmm. do how do I know that I need a company like BetterRx? That's a that's a great question. And and you know I would look a big indicator is what is your PPD, your, your, your price per, per patient day in, in terms of the medications. The, the national average is, you know, right around $13 a day. You know, our average is right around $6 a day. And, you know, some are high, some, I mean, that's just an average. Um, and so that's, that's a key indicator. Um, the other thing is, you know, looking at, you know, nurse satisfaction and being really taking a look at it and being honest with yourself and being honest with, with the staff, evaluating and seeing, okay, is there a better way? You know, do, do my nurses, you know, are they, are they still making all these phone calls? How hard is it for them to, you know, how hard is their job to, to, are they jumping through a lot, a lot of unnecessary hoops just to get medication to the patient? You know, one of one stat that I think is very interesting is uh, the number one reason for a bad review, like on Google or, 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 or so forth, or, or even affecting the star rating of the hospice, is uh, medication delays. That's the number one. If you have any of those, it's going to cost you a significant amount of, of referrals to the tune of over, two, over, over a year to about $200,000 of revenue. With just one complaint, one bad review on on Google will will cost the referrals for these. Now that that doesn't necessarily mean medications; it's just any kind of complaint. But the number one thing that draws a complaint is medication delays. 
which is avoidable. It is avoidable. Yep. That's and, right. and in today's in today's world with with electronic prescribing and the physicians, especially on on controlled substances, and and how those can really be done anywhere. You know, if the patient, if the if the physicians out and about or in, you know in their office, they don't have to be around a fax machine to to get these things signed and sent over to the pharmacy. There's there's just really no excuse for for medication delays. Well, I've met your whole team. You've got a great sales team. You got a great organization. When you have such a unique value proposition that you can bring to the market, mm-hmm. and that's part of why we have the podcast is because we want to, you know, we want to help agencies really figure out who do they need to partner with, why do they need to partner with these with these different companies, and what's the value that they're going to bring to the table. I never want someone not to have a conversation. So I think what you're presenting today, is, number one, is fascinating, but number two, I just want to encourage listeners that if they're in the hospice space. And they may have some challenges here, or maybe they even haven't even evaluated this in, in some time. I would encourage them to at least have a phone call with with your company, your team. Very called consult consultative. We said it for me. Consultative. Thank you. That's a big word. We, in Ozark, we don't use these big words. <laughs> I tried not to use it in dead gum, and here I am. And I was on a roll too. And then I just, you know, that's why Hannah's part of these podcasts. It just when I don't know just how to, to pronounce keep them something. in line. Yeah, I could never be a doctor. I can't pronounce half those those words that you guys say. Let it known spell them things. It's very tough for me. Well, I I think this has been a great podcast, though. I mean, I do think that team over there at Better RX is just phenomenal. This has been fantastic advice. But as we close, I really want to give you the chance to share your view on the future of hospice care cost management and collaboration. Where do you see us headed as an industry? That's a great question. You know, I see us being able to, um, as soon as, as soon as I'm just thinking, thinking things through, as soon as a patient qualifies and, and is admitted to hospice, patient receives the medications shortly after that within, within, you know, ideally within 30 minutes, maybe, maybe a little bit longer but especially when they are in crisis. We need to get those medications to them very quickly. That is that can only be leveraged through through technology and how fast uh, you know and and really identifying sort of those great limiting steps in the in the process mm-hmm. and 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 trying to fix those things. Now as as far as um, you know and and I I firmly believe great patient care automatically translates into cost control. Um, you know it, it's it's really you know, as 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 you're as you're leveraging technology with even it, as we are implementing um, AI into the into the in, into our technology, that it can be evaluated and and we can start to predict these medications. Um, you know what what medications the patient will need as they you know as they are are progressing through that end of life process. The real advantage that agencies have is getting patients onto service in enough time to get them to be stabilized hospice patients and going through the process. Um, I think there's there's so many agencies there's they're they're afraid of of cap issues and so so they get these patients on they have an average length of stay of 20 or 30 days but that's just that's just not enough time to really get these patients stabilized for a a good transition, a good experience. And that automatically translates into, you know, a lot of fear and anxiety of, of the loved ones left behind. And so, mm-hmm. again, as we are leveraging technology, leveraging uh, AI to to determine where, where patients are at on that spectrum, 
and, and making sure that they have the appropriate medications before they actually need them making sure that they're in the house, ready to go. And then, and then also making sure that, you know, unnecessary therapies are discontinued. So Jared, let's say that we got some listeners, they want to get a hold of you or get a hold of your company. What's the best way to, to reach out to you guys or get information uh, to get more information on BetterRx? I think that the, the most simple way, and, and you can also read more about us is, um, is betterx.com. And, uh, our, our, all of our phone numbers, our contact information is there. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, even if, even if, uh, you know, you're just, cu- you're just curious, you know, we'd love to do, you know, some type of, you know, analysis. It doesn't, won't cost you anything. There's no, there's no commitment at all. And we can just, you know, take a look at your invoice and, and see, you know, some of the, the opportunities that you have. And then, and then we can show you how the technology can assist in driving those changes please reach out to us um, and we, we can assist. And, and even if we end up not doing business, that's okay. At least we're, we're you know, helping you, you know, in some way to run a, a more profitable uh, hospice and, and giving you some ideas along the way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jared. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, remember, cost control in hospice care is really about maintaining dignity and comfort, even in that final chapter of life. Um, so thank you. Thanks again. This has been great. Yeah, Jared. Thanks so much for being part of part of the podcast and I hope you and your family and all your employees have a great Christmas and holiday season. Yeah. Thank you. And to you guys as well. You guys do great work too. Right. I appreciate that, this thank, opportunity. Thanks, Jared. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you.